So we come to this time now that we want to eat a little bit of the bread of heaven. Thank the Lord for his word. My prayer for you this morning is that each one of you will hear the voice of the Lord this morning. I'd like for us to turn this morning to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. And we're going to read from verse 33. Numbers 10, 33. So they departed from the mountain of the Lord on a journey of three days, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that there is power in your word. There is life. There is hope in your word. And we know that in your word comes also the fact that we could change from what we are hearing. Father, we thank you that your word allows us to walk in paths of righteousness. So, Father, we pray that each person here this morning, that their heart would be open, that they would not hear only with their ears, but we would hear with our heart as well. We ask that you would anoint Danny and Elia and the others that are translating and working. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. The tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant in the Word is not just shown here as the Ark of the Covenant, but it's also called the Ark of Encouragement, the Ark of Witness. But we know that in this Ark was the tablets of the Ten Commandments from God. And so we know that this was always at the beginning of the camp. So we see here that this went out three days. The Ark of the Covenant went out three days before the people of Israel went out. And the idea was that it would find a place of rest for the people of Israel. This morning, I want to share with you about the rest of God. What is, does it mean, rest? If I ask some of you, what does it mean, rest? Many of you would say different ideas about what rest really means. Some of you would say, oh, it means to sleep. Some of you would say, oh, to sit and watch TV. For some of you, maybe a rest might be to sit by the beach. But according to the scriptures, to the word of God, rest is more than just a physical rest. A rest comes from inner quiet or peace, quietness. And so we know that also when a person uh, passes away and dies, that they say they are at rest. Rest is forever. Sort of like, uh, may their memory live on when, when you say that as a eulogy. So some people think that in order to enter into a rest is only after I die or pass away. And sometimes even in an argument, people will say, oh, that I would just die. And when I die, at least I would have peace and quiet from you. And so I'm not going to talk to you this morning about that type of rest after you've passed away. But I want to speak to you this morning about the rest that you can come now while you're still alive. And this is the plan of God to lead the people of Israel to the rest. And so in the word of God, we see a lot of scripture references according to Shabbat or the Sabbath day. Let's read a few of these verses this morning. So let's read the first time that it was um, written was in Genesis chapter 2. And usually these scripture verses are mentioned, um, especially when we 
welcome the Sabbath in Jewish tradition on Friday evening? We'll read Genesis chapter 2, 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he had rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So for those of you that Hebrew is not your first language, the word Shabbat or Sabbath comes from the root word in Hebrew, which means to um, sit or to or to be on strike. Many times in our country here in Israel, there are many strikes. But in these scripture verses, I want you to pay attention to two special things. First of all, that you would see that God blessed the seventh day. He always blessed. But here we see that he has given a special blessing for the seventh day. And the second thing, he sanctified or made holy this day. So when you sanctify something in Hebrew, it's not just that it's made special, but it means also that it is set apart. This day is set apart from all the other days. So I want you to remember that he blessed and he sanctified or made holy. So some of you come from the background that for you the Sabbath is a Sunday. So some of you um, will believe that because Yeshua rose from the dead on Sunday, from the grave, that that is the day of the Sabbath. So Danny is here to tell you that this is not true. There is no basis for this in the scripture verses. The reason, <laughs> the reason that we have this as a Sunday is because of a lot of other reasons involved. And when the first believers of Yeshua were in connection with the Gentile believers, within time, a lot of differences and uh, opinions came up about what sh when they should be. And so the Gentiles at that time separated themselves from the Jewish believers, the Gentile believers from the Jewish believers. And so many of them came upon different things so that they would not be connected to the Jewish faith or religion. And so then they said, okay, then we're going to do this on Sunday rather than on... And they have Pascha or Easter, and we have Pesach, Passover. I'm not here to say to you, friends, forget Sunday and only dwell on Saturday, Shabbat. But it's important that you realize that God chose the seventh day because on that day is a blessing and a sanctification. Let's turn now to Exodus chapter 20. So some of you are probably thinking, uh-oh, what is he speaking about the Sabbath day? Just wait, he's going to come to a special point. Remember that we're talking about rest, not about the Sabbath. Rest. So in Exodus chapter 20, we have in this chapter the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments is what? In verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And he continues with saying, in verse 10, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor you, nor your son, your daughter, your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gate. Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the, Sabbath, the seventh day. 
Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So if I ask you, what do you think about the commandment of not to steal and not to murder? Do you need to keep this commandment? Yes, we do. We need to keep this commandment. But pay attention that God put the commandment of remembering the Sabbath day right along there with the other commandment. And who is supposed to be keeping the Sabbath? Everyone. Even the animals. So in the Jewish culture and religion, there is what is called a Shabbos Goy, or a Gentile, a, a Gentile for the Shabbat. Once Danny tells a story that he was in a hotel in Zichron Yaakov. So Friday evening, he went into the elevator. He was going to go down to the dining room to eat dinner. So he sees a young boy in the elevator, and he looks a little bit suspicious. So he goes into the elevator. He has to go back to his room for something, and he's not there. And he's there again, and I say, what is he doing? And I came back to the elevator, and he's still there, and I think, so all of a sudden, I start to get suspicious because every time I come to the elevator, there he is in the elevator. So I said to him, excuse me, what are you doing here? So he says, oh, I'm here from the, ver the village, the Arab village here, and I'm here for the Jewish people so I can press the buttons on the elevator from where they should get on and off. So according to the Jewish religion, it is forbidden that you tell somebody that is not Jewish to do the work that you're supposed to be doing or not doing on, on the Sabbath. So if you're sharing a room with somebody, you're Jewish and they're not, and you're Jewish, and there's no light in the room, and you, and you want him to turn on the light, you cannot say to him, go and turn on the light. You can say, wow, it's really dark in here. Ah, do you get the drift? Do you understand? And then he goes and does the work for you. <laughs> We could go into all the different rules that we have. But we want to pay attention and go into what the word of God says. So he says here, don't work on Shabbat. Everybody. Even the foreigner that is in your midst. Just so you know that the Sabbath is one of the seasons of uh, holidays that is in Leviticus 23. We start with Passover. and The Feast of the Unleavened Bread. But before this, you read of the Sabbath day. If you're making notes, you can write this note for yourself. In Exodus chapter 31, God talks about a covenant between himself and the people of Israel. But we want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Starts in verse 12, but we've already read this. But he relates to the Sabbath in verse 15. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand, by outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Six days we work. I hope that you're working. And I hope that none of you are in unemployment for no reason. God calls us to work six days. On the seventh day, he says, stop. I want you to pay attention to me, to the Lord your God, on this day. I want that you, on this day, you pay attention to me. I want you to think and remember what I've done for you on this day. 
So here he says to the children of Israel, I want you that on the Sabbath day you will remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and how I brought you up and freed you from that area. Yeshua had a problem with the scribes and the Pharisees, Pharisees and the Sadducees, with everything that was going on with the Sabbath day. It looks as if Yeshua broke all the rules. So I want us to turn and look at a few verses in Matthew. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. We read from the first verse. And at that time, Yeshua went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Verse 3. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Verse 5. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Verse 6. Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. Verse 7, but if you had, no, had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In another scripture verse, it says that the Sabbath was given for man and not man given for the Sabbath. So we see here that the Pharisees became slaves to the Sabbath. In so many rules and uh, guidelines of what to do, what not to do on the Sabbath. And so they see here that Yeshua and his disciples were plucking heads of grain on the Sabbath. And they said, it's forbidden for you to do this. So I want to just point here right now that I hear even in the group of believers that people say, oh, well, the Sabbath was given for us and I can do whatever I want. Pastor Danny says, no, you cannot do whatever you want. They were hungry. They ate. And so Yeshua says to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says to them that one even greater than the temple is here now. In another place, he says, they, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking at Yeshua to see if he was going to heal on the Sabbath. And then we see that Yeshua did heal on the Sabbath. And it's doing a good deed on Sabbath is fine. What does this mean for you and I today? It's like I said, it's not that I say, okay, I'm free and I can do whatever I want. But on this day, the Sabbath day, this is the day that God calls you and I above everything to do good deeds and good works. Sometimes we invite people to eat with us. Some people enjoy just being with their family on this day. There are some people that say, okay, I'm not going to watch TV on this day. They're paying attention to the detail more of the spiritual of what God wants from them. There are some people that work on the Sabbath for the money. So I'm not here to lay guilt on anyone. If it's for a matter of making more money, so I would encourage you and challenge you to pray so that you could come out of that circle and put more attention on God on that day. 
God calls us and wants us to enter into his rest, God's rest. And you know what's so wonderful about the rest of God? This rest that you receive from God, you can take that rest with you all through the rest of the week, every day. So King David, after he was given a little bit of peace and rest from the wars, he sat one day and he realized, I'm sitting in a house that is so wonderful and so big, so beautiful. But for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, there's not even a place for it to dwell. And he had it on his heart to build a house for the Lord. Nathan says to him, do what you think in your heart. But then God reveals himself to Nathan, and Nathan says to David, he, he, he will not, will David build me a house? I, since the time we've come out of Egypt, I have not dwelt in houses. But when we look carefully at those verses, how God was so blessed that there was somebody who wanted to build him a house for his dwelling. But we know from the verses and from the story that God says to David, you will not build me a house. There's much blood on your hands, but your son, he will build me a house. And David was so excited. So David, in the latter days of his uh, life, he made sure that he had everything in order so that all, everything was ready for when his son was going to build the temple. Let's go to Isaiah 66. So you know that the temple was built. The Ark of the Covenant was there in the temple. The people of Israel celebrated and rejoiced in that area in that time. Isaiah 66. We'll read verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all these things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. So the temple was not built because of the needs that God had. And a lot of people think, oh, God rested on the seventh day because he was tired. Wow, the sun took me a long time to create, and the other animals that I created, so I really need to rest now. No. The Sabbath was given for us, and the temple was given for us. God doesn't need a place to dwell and to sit in an actual built building. He says, look, I don't need a home. He says, the earth is my footstool, and heaven is my throne. And the earth where you dwell right now, that is my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? But now I want you to pay attention to something very important. God says, I want you to know that I am looking for one person, a person who will open their heart and allow me to enter in. And he will allow me to live and dwell in his heart. What kind of pre person is this? One who is poor. One who is humble before me. One who has a low spirit. One who has a spirit that is broken before me. 
and one who would tremble at my word because I want to fulfill my word. So the temple was not built for the needs of God. It was built for the needs of man. Let's go to Psalms 132. We also have scripture verse, uh, songs from this scripture verse. Psalms 132. So we read from these scripture verses about the vision that David had to build a home, a place, a dwelling place for God. Verse 7. Let us go into his tabernacle. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, to your resting place. You and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. And let your saints shout for joy. Verse 13. Verse 13. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. So the place that God wants to bring each one of us is not just into the temple, but into his holy presence. So for three days last week, we had a teaching about coming into the temple and coming into the Holy of Holies. The whole idea was to get us into the Holy of Holies. The true rest, the true Sabbath comes only and only when we come into the true presence of God. He says, this is my resting place. Here I will dwell because I have desired it. So we see that God always says in his word that he desires that we would be his dwelling place. Turn to someone next to you and say, you are the dwelling place of God. You are the dwelling place of God. Let's go to Psalms 95. So in the fact that we can get to this place of rest, there are, um, but first of all, I ask you, how many of you really want to be in the presence and the rest of the Lord? Not the rest of work, but the rest of the Lord. Amen. I believe that we have many that want. Psalms 95. Let's read verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the days of trial in the wilderness. So it's important that we see here the emphasis that he is God and we are the people of his pasture. We are the sheep of his hand. So many times today in the world, we hear that we are the God of ourselves. We cannot be the God of ourselves. We are sheep. And do you know why God chose especially sheep as the animal? Can you imagine us being a, a whole flock of bulls or a whole flock of elephants, herd of elephants, or maybe as deers? Sheep. Okay, don't get offended by this because I'm also in this flock with you, this group with you. Because the sheep is one of the probably stupidest animals of the world. If he 
rolls over on one side or onto his back, he cannot get up. He has no way to protect himself. He says this, God says this, because the sheep is totally dependent upon the shepherd. He is dependent for food, for defense, to keep them everything. So it's important for us to know that he is the shepherd and we are the sheep. Verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the days of trial in the wilderness. Verse 9. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. Verse 11. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This um, example of the times in the wilderness that he talks about now is when the people of Israel were thirsty for water. And they started to complain before God. They said, give us water. Moses comes to God. And God says to him, speak to the rock. So as we know, Moses doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes the rock. So I have nothing really to base this on my feeling, but I feel that Moses came um, because he was stressed out. How many of you are like that sometimes? A lot of us. What, what makes us as parents, what makes us as parents most stressed out and angry and upset with our children? It's when our children complain all the time. How come he got an ice cream bigger than me? <laughs> the whining, the complaining. <laughs> and it also happens with adults. And so here Moses has heard this from like a million Israelites in the desert. He's hearing this complaining. Luann, Pastor Danny's wife, was somewhere up in Cyprus or someplace else. And there was a group of Israelis and they started complaining about the bus. And then this poor driver, you know, he's just trying to drive and this whole group of Israelis just starts complaining to him. I'm not here to really get down on the Israelis because I'm also an Israeli. But Moses came probably in the stress and the anger with the rod. You want water? Here, take some water. And he hits the rock. And so here in this psalm, we see how, how uh, he relates to this. But he says also, for 40 years, I was grieved and angry with the things that you did with your behavior. And there's four things here that hindered them from coming into the rest of God. The first thing is, they hardened their hearts. They did not want to hear the voice of the Lord. Some, each one of us uh, can experience this. That means that we are not willing to obey what God has told us. God speaks to Saul through Samuel the prophet when he says to, to kill the Amalekites and kill the sheep, slaughter every one of them, and King Saul does not do this. So then Samuel the prophet comes into King Saul and he hears the bleeding of the sheep and the herd of the donkeys and the animals and he says, well, what did you do? And he says, 
I saved the best of these animals for sacrificing to God. So Samuel the prophet says to him, it is better for you to hear the voice of the Lord than all of these things around you. A person who is not willing to obey the Lord their God will not be able to enter into the rest. The second thing, the second thing is they tried or tested the Lord. They were not able to believe that God could save them or deliver them. <laughs> so many of you would probably think, okay, if I see the dead, if I see the Red Sea open up into into two and split in two, and I walk through on dry ground, wow, I'm going to believe God and I'm going to follow after God all the days of my life. But I want to tell you that we do the same thing. Why? Mm. Mm, because we forget very quickly what God has done for us. They always tested and tried the Lord. They didn't believe. He gave them manna from heaven. And he says to them on Friday, take double the portion because you're going to need it for the Sabbath. Because on the Sabbath, there's not going to be manna. So on Friday, they take in double. And on Saturday, the Shabbat, it says that they went out to look, and there was nothing. Here we see that God told them, and anyway, they went out again to look. Such a lack of faith. God says, I will do it. I will give. I will heal. So sometimes we say to ourselves, oh, maybe yes, maybe no. I'm not so sure. Lack of faith. So we see last week how Pastor David spoke about taking the mountain for the Lord. And how Caleb had a different spirit, him and Joshua, Joshua. But they believed. Even when they saw all the problems and the giants. Even when they saw all the armies. God said, God will do it. You remember that in this special instance, they said, if God has brought us all the way to here, he will give it to us. He'll give us that promised land. I remember what he did. Lack of faith. The third thing, a wrong heart or a heart that is turned against God. They ask for them to go away from the paths of God. In Isaiah 53, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all been led into our own way. And God has laid on him, Yeshua, the iniquity of us all. Here again we see in this verses that God describes us as his sheep. So think about for a moment the picture that there's a shepherd and there's there's sheep, there's three sheep, and they're a little bit frightened. And the three sheep say, oh, forget the shepherd. There's a world out there. Let's go and search for this great, wonderful world. And they go away from the flock, these three sheep. And they go for an adventure someplace. But they don't realize that there are wolves out there. They don't realize that they will be hungry out there. They don't realize that the uh, danger of death is chasing them. The people of Israel, the children of Israel, did not want to allow God to be their shepherd. 
So maybe they thought, wow, when we get to the promised land, we'll do whatever we want to do. But their hearts were misguided. They wanted a different way. And the fourth thing, it says that they didn't know the way of the Lord. They rejected to know the way of the Lord and knowing his voice. Sometimes there's a point that you won't even, not necessarily hear his voice, but you won't even understand or or know his voice when he's speaking. Just because you've gone through a miracle or something spectacular in your life, this doesn't mean that you know the voice of the Lord. A person who knows the Lord and hears and understands the Lord will also have the knowledge within them of hearing the Lord. Sometimes we question what God wants from us. What does he require of us? What are we supposed to be doing? Let's turn to Hebrews. We're going to come towards closing. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. From verses 7 to 11, we see the exact scriptures that we had just been reading. Let's start Hebrews 3 verse 12. It says, beware, brethren. Who's he speaking to? To the believers. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in, de- in departing from the living God. Verse 13. But encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Have you had the chance to encourage somebody today, this morning? Do you know that the gift of encouragement, it's so important in the body of the believers to encourage one another, to hold the hand of one another when we are going through difficult times? This is something that we need to do every day. So your homework for each of you. So this week, I want you every day, at least one person, encourage them. How? God will show you how. (laughs) Amen. Let's read in chapter 4 from Hebrews. Nope. Okay, the last, he's decided, last verse of chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So because of unbelief, like Pastor Danny has already stated, that will keep us from coming into the promises and the rest of God. Let's read verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. 
11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. The rest that Joshua brought the children of Israel, he brought them to the promised land. But the rest that God wants to bring each of us, it's not just to a promised land only. It's not just to be here in the land, but it's to bring us to the Messiah. Remember that when we are in Messiah, the Messiah who lives in us has died for us, given himself for us. He is the one also that is called the Good Shepherd. He is the one that gave his soul for each one of us. When I come to Messiah, I come to the complete rest. Even in the hardest difficulties of my life, the peace of Messiah is in me and on me, and I can rest in him with security and trust that he is with me and he will take care of me. One day, when we leave our earthen bodies, we will come to the forever resting place. And I'm not talking about the grave, but I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven to be forever with the Lord. Rest of the Sabbath is for each of us. And the moment that you are in this rest, then you stop having to work in your own power. One of the wonderful things for Pastor Danny is, as a pastor, that there are many, that there are many um, in, uh, examples and instances where, as a pastor, I can do nothing. Even with all of the wisdom that you have and everything that you can give, you cannot change the situation at all. And then you, you go to the Creator, and He does. He makes it. And it's wonderful to see. He is the one. He is the one who creates and brings the breakthrough. And we need to just rest in Him. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, we'll read verses 28 to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Here Yeshua says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Each of you that are here, that you have a heavy burden on your life. Those of you that feel that you are heavy. For each of you here that has a problem with a difficulty in life. What Messiah says to you this morning is that you don't have to carry this. You come to me and you will find rest. And I will give you my yoke because it's easy. It's easy, and it's light. Let's stand and pray. I have a feeling this morning that many of you have entered into this house of worship with a heavy heart and burdens. Maybe it comes forth in a physical health, maybe with family, maybe even financial. And the Lord Yeshua is here to take from you this burden and to exchange this burden. But his burden is light. 
Maybe there are some of you here that this is your first time you've heard about Yeshua in this type of way. But I know that Yeshua has brought you here this morning. It doesn't matter what point you are in your life. Last week, I, Pastor Danny spoke with somebody who's a little bit older than him in, in age. And he said to Pastor Danny, you know, I'm already so much older. This is not for me. And it was very hard and sad to hear. This is for everyone. It doesn't matter what point you are in your life. God is here for you. I want to give you an opportunity to come and pray. I also want to give an opportunity for some of you to receive something, to receive this rest, to receive this yoke, this light yoke from the Lord. If there's anybody here who does not know Yeshua, you have not received Yeshua in your life. And you would like to receive Yeshua in your life. I want to give you this opportunity. So if there's any of you that need prayer, you'd like to come forward and we would stand with you in prayer. You can raise your hand. You can raise your hand and we will pray with you right where you're at. If there's anybody here that wants to pray and receive Yeshua into their life, the Lord is here for you. I would like to open this invitation also for those people who are heavy laden with burdens. God is here for those burdens. He is here to bring you to his rest. So if you have a burden here that you want to leave at the altar, I invite you to come forward and leave that burden at the altar. We will pray with you, together with you. If you need prayer in this area, if you have a burden that you want to leave at the altar, come forward and we will pray with you.